Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. I love my dog. Yes, I love. I love my dog. I love my pig. I love my cats. And Dr. Dana Varbel loves all of them. She's Chicago's exotic pet vet. All of them. You you have snakes, right, Dana? <laughs> I do. And I, I love them. It's, um, it, it's very strange to people who haven't experienced reptiles, but actually get quite attached. Absolutely. She's a chief veterinary officer for the North American veterinary community. You know, we saw this in Lahaina, where there are so many animals unaccounted for, and I think we know that they will never be found. We saw it during the hurricane over the past 48 hours. We've seen it in so many instances, and today we started out the show with a a woman here in Illinois who's 78, who had a Havanese, and was rushed off in the ambulance, in the hospital. Her caretakers in the hospital, her nurses, called animal control. Hey, we want to we foster the dog. Her brother tried to pay for boarding. Nonetheless, they adopted it out. The end of the story is she got the dog back after three or four months and some legal action. But I think none of us are really prepared as pet owners about what we need to have in order so we're never separated from them and we can continue to take care of them, even from afar. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Lisa. Yeah, I mean, we think about those big catastrophic things, right? Hurricanes and wildfires and, you know, obviously in the Chicago area, we think about tornadoes. But sometimes I think we forget about just the everyday things. Like, what if everyone, what if you had to leave your house quickly? What if your home caught on fire? What if you had to be in the hospital? Do you have a backup plan? So that's going to be the theme of this is have a backup plan, (laughs) you know, have someone who can get in your home, who can take care of your pets for a short period of time, or can at least get them to your veterinarian or your boarding facility for a short time. Have medications ready, have food ready, Uh, have a file on your computer or maybe one printed out with their routine, the same one you leave for your pet sitter. Most of us have that, right, where you know you've got a list of who gets what food every day and or who gets what medication every day. And make sure that the people that you know and love have access to that information in the event of something catastrophic. I will also say you have a pig, Lisa. Yeah. For those of you with horses or cattle or chickens, it gets a little bit more complicated. Absolutely. So it's it's really great if you, you know, if you have an outdoor pet or more of a barnyard farm type situation, it's really good if someone in your family, one of your friends, knows that if something happens to you, that it lays on them to come over and maybe take care of those animals or feed them. Or if you have someone with a truck or a trailer that can help evacuate them in the case of a true emergency. It seems crazy, but write it all down now while you're sitting at home on this nice, relaxed weekend and aren't worried about those things. And hopefully you can avoid true emergency situations. Because I saw people actually shaving their telephone number in the backs of their horses in Florida 
knowing that they couldn't trailer them out, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very critical of those people because you need to be able to do that. But they knew yeah. that if they left them in stalls that they could drown. So they actually set them free with their number shaved in the back of the horse. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's a plan. I don't know that it's the best plan, but they... Yeah, it might not be the best plan. You're right. <laughs> you know, this is another time to remind you to talk about my, microchipping animals is available for animals of all sizes. So, and I, I know I've been lacked with, you know, especially my reptiles, especially those, those outdoor animals. Sometimes you just get your dogs and cats microchipped. It's so much a part of their wellness, but... You know, are we good at keeping those microchips up to date? Do they, if someone scans your horse for a microchip, which is an option, believe it or not, will it have your current phone number, your current address? Mm-hmm. Things that are important to get that animal back to you in the event, not only of a, an emergency, a disaster, but also just everyday accidents. Gates get left, fences get broken. Yeah. Crazy things happen all the time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm not updated. I can tell you that right now. I moved. I didn't update the chip information. Thank you it's, for that. You know what? It's easy to forget. You're so busy when you're moving or shifting things in your life. You get a different phone number. You're updating them with, you know, your electric company and your cell phone company and things like that. Sometimes our pets just end up kind of falling off of our radar, falling off the list of things to update. So this is a reminder to everyone Update that microchip information. Think about having those unusual pets microchipped in the event of an emergency. Dr. Dana Varble is with us. Yeah, we have doctors on here all the time, but she is a dog, cat, reptile. She's a, she's Chicago's exotic pet vet. Um, I want to ask you quickly, and then anyone who's got a question, yeah. 312-981-7200, you can call or text this story that popped up again about the FDA pet food investigation and diet-related heart disease in dogs because of grain-free food, is this still an issue, and what do you know about it? It is. You know, and it's a complicated issue, Lisa. That's the hard thing about this. We know that some diets that have that are considered grain-free, that have other sources of fiber, and typically these diets use things like potatoes, chickpeas, uh, peas, normal peas, <laughs> and lentils seem to be associated with heart disease in some dogs. Now, what we know is that, again, there's an association. Do we know strictly this this food always causes heart disease? No, because that doesn't seem to be the case. So there may be genetics or other issues involved. But unfortunately, it is still an issue. And some dogs seem to be very sensitive to these types of diets. And it causes a type of heart disease called dilated cardiomyopathy. Big word. Just means their heart gets bigger. And if it gets too big, the muscles of the heart get stretched beyond repair, and it can be fatal. The good news is it's also reversible if it's caught early. Adding grains back into dog's diet actually seems to be healthy for most dogs. So if you have concerns about grains, talk to your veterinarian, because a lot of times grains are really vilified in nutrition worlds. Um and, and, you know, I'm not really sure when this started, but it's a big thing where people don't like feeding grains to dogs. And to be honest, I'm not really sure why. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it just seems to kind of arisen and we don't know why. But for most dogs, just a good, healthy diet, commercially pre- uh, prepared diet is going to be just fine. They don't actually need to avoid things like corn, wheat and soy. 
allergies to those things are very rare and actually, again, seem to be healthier for most dogs. All right. Thank you so much. Dr. Dana Barbell is with us. If you have a question, text it in at 312-981-7200, or you can call. We're coming back. Mary's got to check on weather and traffic right now. <laughs> 720 WGN. She is an animal lover and saver at that. It is Dr. Dana Barbell. Somebody said, Dana, can you ask if raw meat is good for dogs? This person said they've heard oh, mixed reviews. Yes. Yes, another big debate. Um, There are a lot of raw food companies out there right now. I will say this. There is no definitive reason why it's better. There's a lot of, you know, sort of misinformation that it helps dogs or, and some dogs do seem to do well on it. I will say that. But there's no definitive proof that dogs do better on raw meat. And you do have to be very, very careful when you feed a raw diet You're also exposing your dog, and unfortunately, that means your family as well, to any bacteria or other pathogens in that raw food. So some raw foods have been shown to have things like E. coli, salmonella, enterococcus, kind of some scary bacteria in there. So you have to be very, very careful if you choose to do a raw food diet. And remember, at least right now, there's really no scientific evidence that it's a huge advantage either. So it's a tough call still. Buzzy sent in a text and she's like, oh, my gosh, I moved too. Uh, how do you how do you update the chip? Do you go through your vet? You go through the chip company. I adopted my animals from paws. I would imagine go back to the original paperwork and look, right? Yeah, that's what you have to do. There's a couple of different microchip companies out there. There's a couple different registries. When we at the vet scan a stray animal, um, uh, the numbers that come up are unique to that company. So what I would do is go back through your veterinary paperwork, go back to your adoption paperwork, look at the company that your pet is microchipped with. There's several out there. Usually you can log in and do it online. It only takes a few minutes. That's the good news. Well, and it's good to do because a lot of people travel with their dogs mm-hmm. like this weekend. And if yeah. your dog was to get loose in another state or, you know, get out in the woods, you really need to have that updated information. I'm so glad you reminded me today. I feel terrible <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, it's so easy to forget, you know, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, I have a tortoise that gets lots of exercise and exploring time in summer. What can I do for activity when it starts getting cold? Oh, that's always so challenging, especially here in Chicago. Our tortoises typically have to come inside, live in a smaller area in the winter where we can control their access to heat and UV light. It's very, very challenging. You can allow a little bit of time outside of a pen, you know, walking around the house. There also makes some really interesting um There's some ideas online about how to feed your tortoise and make them work for their food, so to speak. Um, Sort of like puzzle toys, but for tortoises. Um, They can't really manipulate knobs and levers the way dogs can. But sometimes you can hide things inside strawberries or bananas that get them really excited and allow them to have a little bit more interaction, a little more brain time, so they're not quite so bored and sitting around too much. Do tortoises know you? Do they like you? Or they follow you? Or is it just food? Or <laughs> They do, actually. So there's some really interesting studies out there that show things like Galapagos tortoises have really amazing memories. We're talking about remembering paths and ways to get around their islands for decades. Wow. So tortoises actually have really good memories. And we use the phrase memory like an elephant book. 
to be honest, what we found in research is maybe we should be using the phrase memory like a tortoise. Um, <laughs> they have remarkable memories. So they definitely do remember people. Um, I've definitely known tortoises that can um, respond really well to treats. Know what time they get fed. I've had them break through dog doors. I've had them break into houses because they figure out how to push the door open if it's not latched well. So it's actually quite remarkable how much we're learning about how animals learn. And a lot of the animals that we didn't think learn or understood a lot, we're finding that they actually do. So tortoises are definitely among that group of really interesting animals as far as memory and learning go right now. Dr. Dana Varble is the Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, and Jessica is on line one. Jessica, thanks for hanging with us. What's your question for Dr. Varble? Thank you for having me, first off, and I appreciate it. Um, so my fiancé adopted a cat, and she had the full vet backup, everything else. She's totally healthy all that fun jazz, and um, she's chipped, too, which is awesome, but that's good. She coughs. Mm-hmm. It's not like, it's not like a cough, like as in furball, you know, almost like mm-hmm. regurgitate sound. I've had plenty of cats that had furball problems. She regularly coughs. So really like a human. Like a human cough, right? Yeah. A couple things come to mind. I mean, you know, certainly cats do get um, you know, a couple things. Intermittent respiratory infections, just like you or I, where they can get congestion and coughing and sneezing. Um, they also can suffer from allergies. can also be um, early, but I'm wondering a little bit, early sign of feline asthma. And feline asthma is very, very similar to human asthma. It's kind of related to allergies and things in their environment. So I wonder if it maybe it's time to go back to the vet and tell them you're seeing this cough that's sort of chronic and low grade. Because if we're just seeing it once in a while, it still may be worth putting them on some preventative medication to control the signs of asthma before it gets too bad. Same as we do with people, you know, whether it's a daily inhaler or a couple times a week inhaler. And, yes, you can do inhalers with cats. It's a little bit more interesting, but you can do it. <laughs> so it might be a sign of early feline asthma. And to be honest, sometimes it's just nothing. So definitely time to take her back to the vet and report this, this new behavior and see what's going on. Thank you good so luck. much for joining us. We appreciate it. And um, and Dana, have a good weekend. And tell me about tell me about the animals in your house again. You have how many animals? Yeah, so we have two dogs, four snakes, a New Caledonian giant gecko, and a very big tank of cichlids right now. So <laughs> the good news is this week we're really excited because we're finding baby cichlids in our tank again. So we will let you know how that goes. Sometimes they have so many. We don't, we don't, they don't always make it. Let's put it that way. We've had some success. So fingers crossed for those this Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Everyone have a great weekend. Thank you.
Dr. Dana Varble, she's the person that's actually done breast cancer surgery on a hedgehog, too. She has done it all and seen it all. She's the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. She joins us every other Friday. Steve's News is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Chicago, Chicago.